U.S. economic data released in the last few days, hashtag shock, doesn't look great. When you read financial headlines like these, though, what do you think about them? We'll ask thought leader Paula Pant from the Afford Anything podcast that question and more on today's August 1st episode of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement that has moved to Cleveland, Ohio for a few days. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And I'm Paula Pant. From? From the Afford Anything podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. This is the podcast where we cover recent stories ripped from the financial press. Today, we're going to tackle one from the Wall Street Journal. Not only do we read them like some podcasts do, but Paula and I are going to dive into how they affect your wallet and what you can do to invest, save, and pay down debt more effectively. And if that's not enough, we'll also share a big idea at the end of today's show you can take with you to be better with money the rest of your day and all in usually less than 20 minutes. Today's show is brought to you by Acre Trader, investing in farmland simplified. I grew up in West Michigan, which is farm country. I love investing in farmlands, but there's a lot to know to watch the explainer video to understand how it works and to see if you're somebody that it might help head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF. And if you use that link acretrader.com forward slash MWF, not only we see how it works, but you also will help the show. So, cause they th send us a little thank you for uh, sending you their way. All right, we're going to get into today's show. Paula Pant is back. The last time you and I recorded, we did something that we usually don't do here. We usually are live like we are today on Facebook and YouTube. You and I just met with a glass of wine at our mutual friend Andy Hill's house, and we battled it out. Yes, absolutely. So Andy has the best podcast setup I've ever seen. I told him that I'm just going to copy his uh, when, I, when I make my next podcast setup, but we... Uh, yeah, we, we literally did. We had a glass of wine. We were on our way to a social distancing appropriate party, uh, that we were going to go to next. And, uh, and we, we knocked out a couple of episodes. We did. We I knocked out. remember what we talked about. What did we well, talk about? Well, that's because of the wine. We just had a bunch of fun <laughs> and it was great. It was current. It was topical. We were awesome. I'm sure. Like we're about to be today. You ready to talk about the economy cratering? Let's do it. All right. Let's see which one of our friends can help us kick off today's show. This is Trey from TrueTrey.com. Friends, check. Money, check. Friends with money, let's do this. All right. This piece comes to us from the Wall Street Journal, as I mentioned earlier. It's written by Harriet Torrey. And the headline is, U.S. economy contracted at record rate last quarter. Ugh. Jobless claims rise to 1.43 million. Uh, Harriet writes, the economy contracted at a record rate last quarter in July. Setbacks for the jobs market added to signs of a slowing recovery as the country faces a summer surge in coronavirus infections. The Commerce Department said U.S. growth domestic product, the value of all goods and services produced across the economy, fell at a seasonally and inflation-adjusted 32.9% annual rate in the second quarter, or a 9.5% drop compared with the prior quarter. The figures were the steepest declines in more than 70 years of record-keeping. Meanwhile, the Labor Department's latest figures on unemployment benefits suggested the job market was faltering. The number of workers applying for initial unemployment benefits rose for the second 
second straight week by a seasonally adjusted 12,000 to 1.3 million in the week ended July 25th after nearly four months of decreases following a late March peak. The number of people receiving unemployment benefits increased by 867,000 to 17 million in the week ended July 18th, ending a downward trend that started in mid-May. Quote, we're expecting a longer and slower climb from the bottom, unfortunately. And here, the virus will dictate the terms. Beth Ann Bovino, U.S. Chief Economist at S&P Global Ratings, said. Stock markets fell after the figures on output and the labor market provided an updated picture of the pandemic's damage to the economy. The second quarter economic contraction came as states imposed lockdowns in March and April to contain the coronavirus pandemic, triggering a steep drop in output, and then lifted restrictions in May and June, allowing growth through Zoom. Gains later in the second quarter weren't enough to offset April's steep drop, however. Economists expected the third quarter, which began on July 1st, to show growth though the summer rise in infections is likely to temper gains. Quote, the ball is going to bounce less high than it should in the third quarter, said James Sweeney, chief economist for Credit Suisse. As with new virus outbreaks, quote, we know there is an incremental slowing of economic activity. Lots of frustration here, Paula, and obviously this was pretty expected. Um, th there was no way we weren't going to have a good quarter, right? Everybody right. staying at home, nobody leaving home. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Netflix, I haven't even looked this up, but I'm sure Netflix had a great quarter. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure Zoom did. That's right. And and it's funny, I even added, uh, I added Disney Plus last quarter just because I was at home so much and I'm going to be canceling one of those pretty soon as hopefully life at some point returns to normal. The main reason I picked this piece isn't for the economic data that we all know about already. It's that you and I have known each other for quite a long time, Paula. And I think that you and I think a little differently when we hear this than, mm. than, than most people do. So as you were reading this, as you heard this data, what kind of things go through your head? Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind is while it is normal uh, while it is standard practice to take the numbers of a quarter and project it out for a full year, project it out to see what that looks like in terms of the annual rate, don't be scared off by the fact that it is a 32.9% annual rate because the, the next couple of quarters uh, may not be as bad as the prior quarter. So the 9.5% drop in the prior quarter, yes, that's a 32.9% annual rate, but only if every quarter is uh, identical to the last one. It may be the case that that 9.5% drop is the worst quarterly uh, result that we have, and the future quarters tend to get better. So we don't, we do know what the prior quarter number is. We don't know at the end of 2020, in hindsight, what our 2020 annual number is going to be. We do know it's going to be bad one way or sure. the other. We just don't know how bad. No, but what's interesting about that is this is also going to temper future quarters, which I also think about for our fans uh, hanging out with us or listening that uh, pay attention to their investments far more than they should, probably like I do. Um, mm -hmm. You know what you're going to see, Paula? You're going to see 
see improvements and people are going to say the economy stunk in the third quarter, but it was better then, which means that we may see from short term traders in the stock market, we may actually see things end up a little better than we'd hoped. Um, we we could, I wouldn't be surprised to see, uh, even though economic data is bad, if we compare it to the second quarter, people go, well, look at we're improving. And because we're improving, the stock market should continue to to, uh, to to pick up. So all these people talking about doom and gloom, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe maybe it does happen. And obviously, we don't trade on that information. But it always makes me think, where's the opportunity and what could happen differently than we expect? And if the stock market decides, and that's a whole nother discussion, if the stock market decides that we're going to compare things to this quarter, every comparison is going to look flipping rosy compared to this quarter. Well, well, I wouldn't say that with too much certainty. There's always a possibility that next quarter could be even worse. Well, and, and, and actually, it's funny that you say that because I also think, I mean, it's not in this headline, but it's in other headlines. The fact that a lot of this government stimulus now is ending. Mm -hmm. And so if the government doesn't give another round of stimulus, what's the fallout going to be from that? Are we going to see unemployment accelerate? Are we going to see um, we going to see things go back? And then we also have, you know, I was looking at a data tracker today about coronavirus. While it looks like over the last just few days, so this changes day by day, over the last few days, we've seen the number of new cases kind of stall. The death mm -hmm. rate's going up fairly mm -hmm. quickly right now, which, uh, you know, doesn't mean, um, doesn't, uh, doesn't fill me full of hope. Right. Right. You know, what, what we did see in, in April and May is that as a result of the, particularly the enhanced unemployment benefits with the added $600 a week, the poverty rate nationally actually decreased hmm. by some measures. And many households, uh, many households, particularly lower income households, saw their household income increase. And so, uh, you know, because of the enhanced unemployment benefits, if that ends, that will absolutely have a major reverberating effect across the economy. Um, It'll be interesting to see, I mean, what, what happens there. And by, by, by interesting, we're in uncharted territory and, 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 and people don't know. If you're looking for bright spots in this data, though, Paula, if you're somebody that's lucky right now to have a job, we t you talked mm -hmm. about poverty on one end. Let's talk about somebody that's lucky right now to have a job. They have income stream. Maybe they work for Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and life is pretty good. And they have a side job at Peloton. <laughs> How do you think about this investment wise? Well, so when uh, we, let's also add in the context that right now, cash is basically free borrowing, you know, the, the federal reserve is lending money for basically nothing. Um, when cash is free and liquidity is so freed up, it makes sense that future cash flow would then become more valuable. So in terms of the performance of the stock market, it in that regard, it does make sense that, uh, that, that future cash flow is more valuable and therefore people would want to be piling into stocks now. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think so, too. I think even if there is some hurt coming still, mm -hmm. I mean, even if the next couple couple um, uh, 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 
quarters are bad, even the next year is bad, the next year and a half is bad. Mm-hmm. Man, to the extent that you can invest during this time period, I think this is where you and I look at it differently than somebody with no experience in the markets. They see this data and they're like, man, I should get out. Man, this looks horrible. I really need to get out. You and I have the same basic thing, which is, no, if you can, get in. Right, right, exactly. And what we've seen historically is that recessions are great times to invest if you have a long time horizon. So if, if you have both the capacity and the tolerance to be able to hold your investments for decades, then recessions are a very good time to uh, to pile more money into investments. In just a moment, Paul and I are going to have our big takeaway. Hers will be way better than mine, I promise. Uh, for, for today, No pressure, Paula. Yeah, uh, seriously. For today's show, got to say a big thanks to AcreTrader for supporting Money with Friends. You know, investing in farmland is much simpler than being a farmer. Uh, when I first heard about companies like AcreTrader, I thought, no way, you don't want to be a farmer. I lived in West Michigan. Being a farmer is super hard and very technical. Investing in farmland, though, is very simple. AcreTrader takes a piece of farmland. They purchase it for a price that they think is a good price. They subdivide it, and you own a little piece of that land. You don't farm it. AcreTrader finds the farmer, negotiates with the farmer, works on soil sustainability. The farmer then every year before they have a good crop or a bad crop, frankly to you, whether it's a good crop or bad crop doesn't matter. It's just that the farmer stays in business, right? Because they are paying you a consistent rent check once a year. So you not only get your dividend once a year, your payout, your rent coming in, but you also own this piece of farmland. And as there's less and less farmland over the years, as we have less and less and better farming and, and, and ways that we create uh, food, uh, you find that the value that farmland historically has been very boring, but boring in a good way. So farmland versus gold, farmland versus bonds, I look at that much differently. There's something else to remember, though, about farmland. You're locked in. If you own a piece of farmland and you have an emergency, you can't just peel off a, a couple rows of your cornfield to mm-hmm. go get money. So you need to watch the explainer video. It's also only opening open to accredited investors. So you want to look up what that is. So head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF. I really like it. Doesn't mean it's right for you, but if it does use our link acretrader.com forward slash MWF and, uh, and begin investigating how acre trader works. Uh, I do not miss Paula those days working in cornfields. I, I have no experience with that, so I, I cannot cannot imagine it, cannot speak to it. Well, the um, funny thing is we were in these uh, uh, – I did this thing called detasseling corn, which is taking that flowery top off of the corn. Mm-hmm. And and while we did that, we were in these baskets that were in the cornfield, and you would pull them off. So you were raised up. You and I have known each other a long time. You could be in that basket, and you still would have to reach way above your head to get to the – you don't like my short joke? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, well, I mean, I'm five one, so yeah, I, I have to. It's a given for me. <laughs> it would have still been. I could see Paula in that basket with with also a a, a little step stool. To, yes. to, to, to detassel corn. Yeah. Some phone books that I'm sitting on. That's right. Well, here's the deal, though. Detasseling corn, not your specialty, but things like this are. What's your big takeaway for today's piece? Oh, geez. All right. <laughs> nice segue, by the way. Thank you. I learned from you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. So big takeaway from today's piece. The prior quarter had a 
really severe drop, uh, the steepest decline in more than 70 years. But that does not necessarily mean that you need to panic. There are also reasons, uh, valid logical reasons, to be hopeful, not only for the rest of 2020, but for 2021 um, and 2022, for the, for the near-term future as well. I, I, I love that, which actually it's funny because our takeaways, Paula, go together. Mine is when I read stuff like this, I think about two things. Number one, where is my biggest downside and how do I cover it? And where's my biggest opportunity? If we're looking at these uh, government benefits going away, we're looking at the next quarter, we're looking at maybe continued ugliness. Keeping on track of that is good. Panicking isn't good, though. If I think, though, I'm in a place where I might lose my job, it's time to accumulate cash. Maybe I pay down my debt a little less slowly. And I want to stay on top of how we get these benefits because we saw... As an example, you and I as business owners, you know, there were some benefits that business owners could get that people didn't pay attention to. And I mm-hmm. think you got to stay on top of, especially now, I, I generally don't advocate staying on top of government benefits and how they work. But right now, I think is a huge time to understand how all these benefits work. On the other side, opportunity wise, if you're in a great place, this is a big opportunity for you. It is a big, and, and, and sadly, the best time to invest historically is, and this is horrible, but it's when things are struggling. When mm-hmm. when things are struggling, if you are are lucky enough to not be struggling, it's 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 time to be aggressive as an investor. Um, mm-hmm. And by aggressive, I don't mean taking a lot of risk. I mean piling as much investment in as possible. Number one, mm-hmm. you're helping the people that are struggling, and number two, you're also helping yourself. So that's yeah, th- you know that, and that's what I was going to say. Um, I, I know on at first, as you've described, at first blush, it sounds horrible, but really. By what would be worse is if no one were investing and no money was flowing into the system. Yeah. That would be far worse. That would cause even more people to lose jobs. It would only, um, it, it would cause both the severity and the duration of the contraction to increase. So investing during a contraction, investing during a recession uh, infuses the economy with money. And that's exactly what the economy needs in order to recover. I heard a rumor that you have a podcast. I do have a podcast. Oh, how about that? How did you know? So the podcast is called Afford Anything, and you can download it anywhere where finer podcasts are found. Just go to your favorite podcast playing app, type in Afford Anything, and when you see my podcast, hit the subscribe button or the follow button. And... It, it, it magically then appears in your feed and you get to listen to Paula dive deep into, into uh, all kinds of fun topics. Absolutely. Yeah, great guest. And we will also link to uh, afford anything on our show notes page at moneywithfriendspodcast.com and also all of our social media links. Hey, thanks to everybody who hung out with us today on Facebook and on YouTube. Thanks to everybody who's left us a review of this show or told somebody, you know what, you got to listen to this because it's very helpful, especially when you read ugly stuff like we read about today. Good Good news for all of you. I'm not here alone on Monday. Paula's back for more. She and I will see you again. Have a great weekend. This show's created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends LLC, copyright 2020. 
For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam, nailed it.